As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. This podcast is brought to you in part by Racing RVs. We realize that not everyone is in the market for a new or used RV, but if and when that day comes, support the people that support sportsman drag racing. That's Racing RVs. Today's podcast is also brought to you in part by This Is Bracket Racing Elite. You're probably familiar with ThisIsBracketRacing.com, but if you're ready to take your on-track game to the next level, you need to check out This Is Bracket Racing Elite membership community. Welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. Introducing your hosts, the multi-time world champion, Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. And the golden voice of drag racing, Big Jed, Jared Pennington. This is my moment. I'll be all about that Wally. I'll be all about that Wally. I'll be all about that Wally. Man, I came for the go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's cool hand Luke Bogacki. Thank you for finding us wherever you find your podcast and allowing us to be a small part of your day. The Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast will be a weekly review of what's happening or what has happened in sportsman racing. Luke and I will be talking about all of the hottest topics, drivers, and events in racing today. Luke, how you doing, bud? Doing wonderful. Enjoyed uh, one of my last non-racing weekends of the uh, of the off season. Spent it at Arch Madness. For those of you not familiar, that is the precursor to March Madness. Ooh. We had the uh, Missouri Valley Conference tournament in uh, st louis over the weekend so we kind of make an annual weekend of that went up there stayed had a good time watched our uh, salukis advance to the conference semifinal, which was about where they were seated basically the whole conference went kind of to chalk everyone anticipated mm-hmm. it would be a wichita state illinois state final it was and i think most people that watched both teams kind of anticipated that wichita state would pretty much take them to the woodshed and they did so uh yeah, the on-court uh, action wasn't probably the most exciting in terms of dramatic finishes, but it was a good time. 
Sound like a good time. Sound like you um, had that red from the get-go. Um, that could probably affect Illinois State's tournament chances, shouldn't it? That's it's going to be pretty close, probably getting <laughs> yeah, them in. It's going to be a long week for the Redbirds. I really don't hold out a lot of hope for them. It's just kind of the dichotomy of being in a mid-major conference. It's hard for them yeah. to schedule the, the games that would look good to win, and when you can't schedule any of the games that look good to win, unless you just run the table, you're inevitably going to have a few bad losses. I think the only team yeah. that they really beat that was in the field would be Wichita State, and they beat them once in three attempts. The other two, they lost by an average of like 32. So that's probably not a good Yeah. Look. But write it down when you're making your brackets in a couple of weeks. Wichita State, could uh, they could make some noise. They're for real. Okay, well, I have to keep them in mind. So how about you? Did you go racing? I did. Spent a little time uh, down in Sandestin on some work outing and uh, got back Friday night and got everything ready. And JJ and I went to Huntsville to the Southern All-Door Car Nationals for Saturday and Sunday. You know, I'm race carless right at the moment. The Nova's still not ready to go. So my, my great friend Nick Ross... Mr. Fitty, uh, sorry, no offense to you. He let me double with him in his Malibu and had a great time. Uh, managed to make it to the final eight cars, about 160 cars, good crowd. Uh, it's already Fulcher's race. And had about 160, got to the final eight on Saturday, and I was uh, stellar 68 up front, which uh, got my head caved in by Cody Barnhart. I can't believe that didn't hold up, Jim. Yeah, it was. It was really. It was really bad when uh, he was dialed five hundredths faster than me, and his ten to my sixty-eight. Simple math says he left before I did. Mm. That's never good. It's not what so, you want. Uh, no, Mister Flanch here really got me on that one. So one first round on uh, Sunday, and had a rain out after that. So okay, I was wondering. I didn't see any results from Sunday. So. Yeah, it was really odd. No rain in the forecast whatsoever, and just one of those crazy little things that happened. It did and shut us down. But been to the racetrack last two weeks. It's been a lot of fun and good, but uh, looking forward to getting old Nova going. Yeah, I know that uh, quarterfinal finish is not the result that you're looking for, but it had to feel good to turn some wind lights on. It did. Yeah, it's, uh, Nick's car's really good, and it bailed me out a couple of times, and it was good to be out there and be competitive and uh, actually get down where you think you got a chance to win. But obviously, they proved me wrong. So, <laughs> good time all in all, though. I, I do appreciate Nick loaning me a ride. It was a lot of fun. Jed, I think we've got a good show today. We're action-packed. I, this might be one of our longer shows, just looking at the uh, the itinerary here. We're going to get into the next big thing. Voting is done. We'll, we'll name. Well, I guess we'll keep the, the suspense going for a little while. Uh, yeah. We'll probably uh, name off maybe the top three vote getters, and, uh, and then we will uh, close the show today with an interview of the next big thing, as determined by you, our listeners. We've got some racing action from last week to talk about. Like I said, Jed was in Huntsville. We had uh, bracket action in Memphis, IHRA race in Baton Rouge, big footbreak race in Noble, Oklahoma, NHRA was uh, divisional out in Division 7 in Phoenix. So we got a lot to cover, but first, I think just a quick look back on last week because obviously we got a ton of response from the uh, excessive breaking discussion in uh, in the last episode and the one thing I don't want to spend a ton of time on this because we've got a lot to cover today but the one thing that I want to clear up like uh, in some of my statements I wasn't like condoning 
unsafe, quote unquote, driving necessarily, or really I wasn't condoning that by any means. Like, let me first say this, like, there's no rule that what you deem like unsafe results in an accident or a crash. Okay. Like I've seen racers that I think, my God, he's trying to crash that never crash or don't crash. Mm -hmm. And I've seen people that do everything the right way and you just lose control. Like control in our sport is I like I to quote days of thunder of all things. Control is an illusion. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? You were going <laughs> over a hundred mile an hour in a race car. Like there's only so much that you actually control. But with that said, like I, I agree in theory, there are methods of driving the finish line that, that probably or certainly make a racer more likely to, to lose what control we do have. And like you mentioned yesterday, Jed, like we've been guilty of it. I've been guilty of it than most. Hell, I've crashed. Um, mm. And that, you know, completely due to hitting the brakes at the finish line. And even that at the time didn't change the way that I drove. Like you'd think if anything would, that would. But I don't race like that anymore. I mean, like you mentioned last time, we all have our moments where you just go sure. through the finish line and panic. And I've had runs, particularly like in my Corvette, where I'm in the shutdown area going, what are you doing? Like, well, that was stupid. You know what I mean? <laughs> but like, for the most part, that's not my game anymore. And call it being a little bit older, being a little wiser, maybe more mature, like more experienced, I think, more than anything. Like my finish line execution has changed. And so, like, I don't condone going down there and locking up all four tires and smoking them, but that's not the issue here. Like, what we think is safe isn't what I was trying to get at last week. The issue for me and, and what I was trying to hammer home, and I think I did, is that I don't think it's a good idea for an HRA in this instance or really any sanctioning body or event promoter. Like, I don't think we want to necessarily get into the business of making those decisions and trying to to judge the intention of safety was the words that I used last week because it's just impossible to enforce it consistently. And what I'll use as an example, and, and like I say, this may not necessarily be the the right way to handle this, the way to handle it. This is the way that I handle it. We had an issue at one of our events last year with a dragster that literally, like, the driver white smoked the rear tires, like, three rounds in a row at the finish line in a dragster. You don't see that very often. No, you don't. But it was it was very obvious, and he was, uh, you know, I mean, it never went sideways. It was straight. And um, I thought, what am I supposed to do here? You know what I mean? Like, I don't like this, but I don't. So here's what I did. Regardless, I think say so you can judge this any which way that you want. But I approached this racer who is a friend. And that's the thing. Like, you're the same way, Jed. At, at my races, I probably would consider 90% of the field my friends. You know, they're sure. people that I race with that are my customers. That You know, uh, I'm on a first-name basis with the majority of them. And I just simply went down there and said, look, I'm not coming to you as the race promoter or the guy in charge. And I'm not issuing you a warning. Like, I don't care what you do. I would prefer that you not crash and that you not hit anybody else. But I'm not coming to you as the race promoter. I'm coming to you as your friend. That's stupid, man. Like, you're going to get hurt. Yeah. But this isn't a warning. Like, if you do it again, I'm not going to throw you out. Because I don't think that that's the race director's place. Like, it's just, it's a part of competition. I don't think it's the way to go about it. But I'm not going to go up there and judge and say, he can't do that. You know what I mean? Like, A, there's no rule against it. And B, how do you do that without 
being in the car without watching every single pair at the finish line. Like, it's just, like I said last week, it's selective prosecution. So that's where I tried to draw the line between, you know, hey, buddy, like, don't be dumb and trying to make an official judgment. Does that make any sense? Oh, absolutely. And I didn't take your message last week to be condoning unsafe driving. So anybody that's turned it into that really was listening to what they wanted to hear instead of what they really were hearing. So I don't agree with anybody that said you were condoning or or accused you of that. But nonetheless, the winners don't smoke the tires, guys. I mean, they just don't. There's not a any consistency to going down there and doing that. So anybody that, that thinks that's cool or they're doing it on a consistent basis, that's not a winning strategy. Can you win? Yes. Do they from time to time? Yeah, but it's not a winning strategy. So I think you handled that situation well based on what you said. And it's not smart. It's not a winning formula. And hopefully the racer in question learned from it and i'm sure they did and i think approaching them as their friend as opposed to being the boss and telling them how it's going to be is probably the best approach well done there the other thing that i wanted to touch on quick just kind of switching gears um and i know that you know this is close to my heart but i i saw the official announcement that uh, the texas raceway has shut the doors it sounds like forever which is sad to me those of you that know sure I think we covered it back in episode triple zero. Like that's where I look at that. That's where I say I grew up. Uh, I mean, I literally grew up about three miles from Texas Raceway. But to say that I grew up at the racetrack, there was probably a five-year span in my life where I might have spent more time at that racetrack than I did at my house. It's a place that's near and dear to the hearts of, of many. And a lot of you know, like, was really the hotbed of racing at one point, or at least I'd like to think so. And so many unbelievable racers uh, and names in our sport kind of cut their teeth there, you know, from Scotty and Edmund Richardson to the Heffler brothers, to the Lopez brothers, to Jimmy Paul, Tommy Phillips, Frank Utec. You could go on down the list, Austin Williams. So it's, it's sad to see it go. It, uh, it had been going that direction really for a long time. I, I don't know all of the details as to what, the straw that finally broke the camel's back, but it was some type of an issue between the city, the neighbors, and the facility. And like I say, that's been ongoing. Like I spoke at a town hall meeting when I was in high school, so you're talking nearly mm. 20 years ago. Um, so it's kind of amazing that it's it stayed open this long. But uh, nonetheless, you just you hate to see a, a track, any track, shut down, especially a place with that much history. And, and in my case, you know, so much of who I am today, I feel like is tied to that place. So that kind of broke my heart. Yeah, I can imagine, Luke, that's, uh, you know, where, wherever you grow up racing and learning the sport is uh, near and dear to you. And you, you definitely don't want to see any track closed, but especially one that's that close to you. So hopefully the uh, the frequent flyers there at Texas Raceway find them a new home and keep enjoying our sport uh, that's that's definitely what we want to see and hate it for everybody involved especially track owners and the, the people that make their living at that facility but hopefully the racers recover and find them a, a new place to get after it i'm sure that the killer bees will live on in some form or another a lot of racing <coughs> last weekend uh big jet in fact i guess a good segue speaking of texas raceway when i think of it in its heyday was managed by larry croft and eventually nick duty they are at 
Thunder Valley Raceway Park in Noble, Oklahoma these days, and there was a big race in, uh, at Thunder Valley last weekend, the uh, third ball the throwdown. Did I get that straight? Yeah, I think you got that. All right. I'm well done. All right, right. <laughs> they had uh, his bottom ball only race. I believe trans breaks were allowed. Uh, $5,000 to win Friday, 10000 to win Saturday, 5000 to win Sunday. Friday's race, we saw a Fred Kaufman defeat Steve Milam. And then Saturday and Sunday, the big check went back with the same guy. And uh, this was a special one to me because I know Brandon. But Brandon Fennensteel from, uh, I believe he's actually out of western Kansas. He's got a undercover dragster solid mount car with a little small block, kind of a, a budget dragster setup. I believe it goes 560s or so, and he bottom ball races it. He runs both classes, but has had mm. a lot of success bottom ball racing it. He's, I know him because uh, Brandon is a member of This Is Bracket Racing Elite, so score one for Team Elite. Yeah, uh, he won the 10 grander on Saturday over uh, Aaron Jones and won the five grander on Sunday over, I'm actually not certain if it was Todd Zampezi or one of his boys, but one of the Zampezis, uh, again, in a dragster on the bottom. Yeah, pretty impressive there to get a 10 and a 5 on the bottom, and congratulations to, to him. But definitely a, a great bottom bulb event for, for that part of the country. There's a lot, of, a lot of racing passion out there, and it's good to see those guys putting on such a great race and hope for years to come. Yeah, yeah, just what I saw, like, uh, I haven't really even talked to anybody that was at the event, but the pictures on Facebook, it looked cold. So thanks. I'm sure. good for all them guys toughing it out. It sounded like that a good crowd and everything that I read was just huge kudos to Nick and the staff putting on an excellent race at Noble, which people in that area I think have come to expect. Great. And uh, on the Huntsville uh, Dragway in North Alabama, again, the Southern All Door Car Nationals. Second year for that. Uh, last year, crowd was down a little. This year had a, one, a crowd of 160, which is uh, growth from previous year and good event great facility as you know it's also the host facility for the drr series and you know it well luke and our good friend bo boatner from over in scottsboro alabama defeated his great friend heath davis in the final couple of guys no stranger final rounds in this area and again um sunday was a rain out after round one did get junior dragster winners and I know we, it's hard to mention every class and all that stuff going on, but Mitchell Seymour, which is a kid very worthy of the next big thing list, uh, he's going to be special in racing. Didn't make the list, uh, didn't get enough votes or whatever, but a very talented young man defeated a young lady by the last name of Jones. Not real sure what her first name was. I missed that, but uh, Mitchell, Mitchell's going to be a great one. Yes, he is. Good on Mitchell. Like I mentioned in the pre-show, too, we had uh, a big buck race in Memphis. I believe they call them their triple fives or triple nickel, something along those lines. Um, yep. I believe they only got same deal, got a little bit hampered by weather, got two of the three races in. Just quickly, the, the five grand winners in Super Pro were Rusty Ashmore in race one. Those of you in the Memphis area, that is no surprise. Mr. Ashmore is one that wins more than his fair share between Memphis, Holly Springs, all of the area tracks. And then yes. The day two winner was actually from up here in my neck of the woods. A guy by the name of Mike Buckley got a little uh, M&M dragster. I believe Mike's actually out of the Paducah, Kentucky, Sykeston, Missouri, somewhere in that area. But uh, he made his way down to Memphis and collected a $5,000 check uh, as well. So congrats to those guys. Not bad for them. Good way to start their year. And over in the foot break, Lucas Walker, a very familiar name in the winner's circle in all parts of the country. He's from the Paducah area. He... Uh, well, I say Paducah, Mayfield, I think. But yeah, nonetheless, he, he took the win in my uh, co-promoter partner's 
Mustang, Steve Stites Mustang oh, he was coming in out Stone first Cold time. Mobile? Yeah, he was in Stone Cold Mobile. So he, he got the win in that one and then Chad Liddy won and runnered up the second race. I saw so, that. It's always uh, very impressive. So kudos to Chad. Yeah, pretty impressive there. So well done by those guys and uh, that takes care of the, the bracket racing results and then we, we got into some, some trophy racing here. Yeah, the IHRA made its way into Division 4, which I, I think, according to IHRA, there's no divisions anymore. But IHRA made its way to State Capitol Raceway in Baton Rouge, and I couldn't find any results for Sunday, so I assume that they got some rain down there as well. But just quickly through uh, Saturday's results, Jake Levitino knocked out Chase Murray in the final round of Top Dragster. The Cummings boys looked like they had a big weekend slate, won Superstock, Britt won Quick Rod. Stock was Wes Neely over Sam Show. Super Rod, it looked like they had seven cars, which is not good, but that's not a reflection on Keith Raftery. Keith Raftery won. All Keith could do was beat the three guys that lined up beside him. He knocked yep. out Van Arnold in the final. Van's got uh, one of my guy, uh, Charlie Stewart's old cars, actually the car that Charlie finished second in the IHRA World Championship event last year. And my buddy Chris Harrelson got the win in Hot Rod over Ray Dew. Like I say, those are all Saturday's results. I'm assuming that Sunday was rained out. Yeah, Britt getting the win over uh, Shannon Brinkley and Slate getting his win in Superstock. And uh, I think, if I remember right, even Cole Seminoe's kid might have won if I if I saw it right. So, uh, I saw big, that. Yeah, his daughter won uh, one of the junior extra classes. Yeah, okay. So, big day, big weekend for the Moser teams. Well done by those guys. And I guess maybe Sunday did rain out. Then we moved on to Phoenix where Superstock was uh, Cody Lane over Ray Martin and then about Tibor. Yeah, putting on a show. If it happens in Arizona, it's Tibor, at least in 2017. Yeah, pretty pretty nasty day there for Tibor Kadar or Kadar. Well, you'd think as much times we mentioned his name. We <laughs> get that straight. Yeah. yeah, I would maybe call him or reach out to him <laughs> or something. Nonetheless, he uh, he got another big win there in stock. And Yeah, and did you see the box score? I mean, like, his reaction times were impressive for the most part, but just who he rolled through. First round defeat Jody Lang. Second round defeat Scott Burton. Third round defeat Cal Method. Fourth round defeat Kyle Rizzoli. And then yeah. uh, there's Byron, I believe it's Jerry Stein, and I should, and Brent Calvert in the final. But that first four rounds, like, you can't, on the left coast particularly, like, you can't line up a much more difficult group of stock eliminator racers to go against. So hats off to T-Board. Not well done by him, as usual. The uh, super comp category at uh, Phoenix was an all-female final. We saw Allison McCone defeat Madison Witten. Madison, one of my uh, K&N Filters teammates, sticking on the uh, K&N kick, Greg Ventura, K&N fame, got the win in Super Street, knocking out Ryan Giacone in the final. A super gas was Terry Keddington over Bernie Pulvador. Top dragster saw Ryan Pretty over John Taylor. And in top sportsman, how about my dog? Here we go. Ed Open, Team Luke to the front. <laughs> Dude's on fire, man. For those of you that missed the, uh, the NHRA World Champion Draft, I don't want to say Ed Open was an afterthought, but uh, we got to the bottom of our top sportsman draft, and we were basically out of names. And Ed Open was the one that jumped to mind. So he got drafted onto Team Luke. And boy, is he making me proud so far. He is on fire. 
second uh, top sportsman win of the season to go along with a win and runner-up in Supergas. And uh, the other notable thing about that, Ed Open defeated Ray Martin in the final of top sportsman. The same Ray Martin, I believe, that was runner-up in Superstock. So not quite the double-up that you're looking for with a double runner-up, but I just thought it was interesting to see someone in the same final in two classes that you don't normally see people running, top sportsman and Superstock, combining those two. So uh, kudos to Mr. Martin as well. Yep, well done by uh, by Ed getting a, another outing win for you and Team Lucas. Got it rolling right now in our picks, but a lot of racing yet to go. Go Ed. Go Ed. <laughs> so, Ed, uh, got to be leading the points in uh, Top Sportsman, which is presented by Racing RVs. Our podcast is also presented by Racing RVs. Absolutely. Racing RVs is heavily involved in sportsman drag racing. They headline the NHRA Top Dragster and Top Sportsman Series. They sponsor all of the SFG promotions events, including the World Series of Bracket Racing, the Super Bowl of Bracket Racing, and the Powerball event. Racing RV sponsors racers including Austin Williams, Disco Dean Carnes, and of course our own Coolhand Luke Bogacki. And they present this podcast that you're listening to. In short, Racing RVs is invested in sportsman drag racing. So when the time comes for you to make an investment in your own RV or trailer, we encourage you to support the company that supports sportsman drag racing. That's Racing RVs. They do it all. New coaches, used units, financing, trade-ins, consignments, you name it, they can take care of it. Visit them online at RacingRVs.com. All right, I just want to take a minute to talk about ThisIsBracketRacing.com. This Is Bracket Racing is a website that I launched eight years ago. Over that time, we've helped literally thousands of racers realize and reach their on-track potential. On This Is Bracket Racing, we offer written training columns, video trainings, in addition to a ton of excellent free content. So if you enjoy, uh, and more importantly, if you benefit from any of that material that is, that is available on This Is Bracket Racing... I'd be willing to bet that you will love This Is Bracket Racing Elite. Elite is a fairly new program that already has a great following of racers just like you. The This Is Bracket Racing Elite community is an exclusive membership community in which I work closely with a fairly small group of racers. Our members are all at different stages of their race careers. Some have never won a race. Others are defending division champions. We have several of those this year. But every elite member shares a common goal and that is to continue to improve on the racetrack with every single run we are currently accepting new members so if you're interested you can learn more at this is you want to make it in a song to do the justin lamb win a bunch of races and you do it with the fam you do the kevin ran and lay the smack across the land then you do the all right big jet it's that time we've been teasing this for a month i think the next yeah, it's been a little while. big thing yeah, it's it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun to to see how the results worked out or to announce how the results worked out. But uh, a lot of voters, thank you, listeners, for your passion and your your willingness to come in and vote and put somebody out in the front. Yeah, if uh, if you're listening to the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast for the first time, bring you up to speed quickly. We basically put out a uh, a call on our Facebook page saying the next big thing in sportsman racing when we look back 10 years from now who will we be talking about more than anybody and uh, we basically just uh, asked our listeners to nominate uh, and we got what well, we got 
tens of dozens of, of nominations. Um, we took the uh, the ten that were that had the most mentions, most likes, and those ten were Gage Birch, uh, age 17, from Palmetto, Florida; Devin Dudley, 23 year old from Charlottesville, Virginia; Caleb Ellison, 17, from Beaver Creek, Ohio; Caleb's brother Edmund Ellison, also from Beaver Creek, Ohio; Edmund is 20; Zach Hitchcock, 24 year old, out of Lewisburg, Tennessee; Jordan Holly, 14 year old, out of Thomaston, Georgia; Tucker Cancellar, who is 18, living in Bondurant, Iowa; Brad Northrup, the tender age of 16, out of Bedminster, PA. Mitchell Reeves from Big Jed's area, Chelsea, Alabama, uh, 20 years old, Mitchell is, and Brett Williamson from my neck of the woods, uh, Rockford, Illinois, Brett is uh, 18. So from those 10, then we uh, we started the official vote last week, did it via email, had a huge turnout, nearly uh, 500 votes cast over the course of the week, so thank you listeners for yep. getting involved and like Jed said, showing that passion. I'm going to run down every individual result, but the top three separated themselves a little bit, and it was very, very tight between those top three, so I feel it almost necessary to mention the third leading vote-getter was Gage Birch out of Florida. Most of you are familiar with Gage's accomplishments already to date. Um, If nothing else, I would hope that you uh, saw what he did in, was it Atlanta last fall? The bracket finals. Yeah. He he won three NHRA Wallies in one day and four over the course of the event. I, I don't think that's ever been done. Probably will never be done again. Um, and to do it at 16 years old, pretty impressive. So Gage definitely deserving yeah. of it. The very least, the uh, the top three votes and the top two. You probably can guess from what I said earlier. Actually, came from the same town and the same family. Edmund Ellison was the uh, second leading vote getter. Edmund, the uh, the elder of the Ellison brothers, with uh, our official next big thing is going to be Caleb, his younger brother Caleb. Yeah, the the Ellison boys uh, finished in the top two spots and um, definitely um, both worthy. Uh, as you mentioned, Gage Birch, uh, ultra talented young man that's going to be a big thing whether it's the next big thing the last big thing or the middle big thing uh, he's going to be a big thing if he ain't already but uh, congratulations to Edmund for a second place finish and Caleb uh, getting it done and you know this is a young man with a very bright future as far as interview goes um, we're going to talk to Caleb actually Luke's going to talk to Caleb a scheduling conflict will not allow me to be involved in the interview but uh, joining us next a young man that has a very impressive resume for the age that he is he was the 2016 Kentucky Footbreak Nationals winner he won the 2016 Kill Care Spring Nationals No Box Race, 2015 No Box Race of Champions, multi-time just race winner in general, 20-plus final rounds in his two years in the big cars, and officially the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. Next big thing, welcome Caleb Ellison. All right, joining me now on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast is the winner, as voted on by you, our listeners, of the next big thing in Sportsman Drag Racing, Mr. Caleb Ellison. Caleb, what's going on, buddy? Not much. Just got home from school and got to go to work here soon. A day in the life, huh? 
Yeah, day in the life. <laughs> Caleb is uh, 17 years old, a, uh, a junior in high school. Where do you go to school, Caleb? Beaver Creek High School. Beaver Creek High School, Beaver Creek, Ohio, correct? Yep. And uh, and where are you headed to work this afternoon? Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. Good setup. Yep. For those of our listeners, Caleb, that don't know you or aren't as familiar with you, give us kind of the the Cliff Notes version of how you got to where you are today. I know that you're a part of a racing family, but how did this all get started for you? We've had great opportunities ever since we were kids and people willing to help out. My dad's so hardworking. The car that I drive now, the 67 Camaro, it's owned by a friend of ours, Willie and Angie, his wife. They have trusted us with it ever since I was 16 and now I'm 17 and uh, my brother's raced it a few times, but Without them and without a lot of other sponsors like Krug Auto Sales, we have reliable auto, reliable tax and bookkeeping. We craft concrete. Without them, I wouldn't be able to do it. We've tore up some stuff on Willie's car, and he's just <laughs> very understanding about it. Like he he gets it. He knows it's not going to go smoothly every week. We blew up two motors this past year. We broke a windshield. We broke rear end tranny, but he doesn't ever bat an eye at us he knows it's it's part of the racing thing so you've been around racing your whole life correct or for the most part yeah ever since i was a kid i was going to the track and i started in a junior when i was eight and stopped when i was 16 to race the camaro that i do now gotcha and we're going racing with your father prior to that yep yep my father and uh, my brother edmund as a lot of these listeners probably know and have heard of what's the age difference between you and edmund edmund's He's 20. Um, he'll be 21 in a few months. I'm 17. I'll be 17 or I'll be 18 in like six days. So, gotcha. What was that like coming up? Did you guys both have junior dragsters or did you have to share um, one at one point? Or no, we always both had one. When I was eight, I got the one that he used to run in 1290. So I got that one to run in 1290. Mm-hmm. He got a new one, and we always had our own. And then when I uh, was 10 and went to the 890 category. I got one off of our friends Peyton Filson. Some listeners may know the name. He's he was a successful junior racer, and um, but we always work together. He's helped me with so much. Evan has throughout the juniors and throughout the big cars, helping me learn on stuff that I didn't quite know coming into the big car. So, right. So definitely a, a benefit to have uh, some knowledge around you, dad, brother. What about the sibling rivalry side of that extended to the racetrack? Is there, has there been much of that between the two of you? Yeah, you can say yes. <laughs> we, uh, we, I think we raced twice in a junior, and we've raced twice in a big car. And for Edmund's sake, I guess I won't say the record that we have. but <laughs> <laughs> No, but there's a lot of arguing that goes on between us because I think we, we both want to be right, and we both make good points. But I think since we're both so smart when it comes to racing – we don't like to tell each other that we don't like to admit that that person's right at that time but it's it's amazing how much he's helped me and just even when we're mad at each other he still helps me <laughs> what's team ellison looking like these days i know you had been racing is your father still racing as well yep he's still racing he uh he races a friend of ours dragster and he'll occasionally race the mustang the one that Edmund races he's done a little bit of bottom ball this past year driving the mustang and a friend of ours chevette but he's mostly top bob. He occasionally, yeah, he'll occasionally race bottom bob, but he'll just travel to like the bigger bottom bob races with us. But he'll just race uh, a lot of local stuff, like Kilcare and the Dragster. 
Gotcha. And that's where you guys are at when you're at home typically is Kilcare or? Yep. Kilcare is, uh, it's <laughs> five minutes up the road, literally. Like just, it, uh, it's our local track and it's so nice having it in our backyard. Such a nice place and good place to race. To date, and obviously I think our listeners, at least those that, that voted, are familiar with your major accomplishments just off the little bio that you did for us and the resume that we sent out. But like, what do you consider your, your biggest on-track accomplishment to date? It'd have to be uh, a few months ago in Kentucky in November mm-hmm. at the Kentucky Footbreak Nationals by Chris Butcher when I won the 12-5 race. It was something like watching Edmund win the year before mm-hmm. and like seeing how big it was, like a big race. And I know he's, he, he's wanted to do that since he got in a big car. And uh, when I did it the year after, it was kind of surreal. Like I, It was just really cool like he did it the year before and then I mm-hmm. came next year and did it. So uh, I've always wanted to win a big check just because I think it really is a cool deal, like a big race, a big check. And, you know, a lot of the big hitters, like when I ran Nick in the final, that – it sounds bad because you don't want to think about it this way, but I kind of told Nick, I was like, I didn't expect to win the final. Like, like you're, you're very good. So you kind of, I approached the final differently and I shouldn't have, but it worked out, but it was just kind of hard knowing I have Nick that I got a kind of set up different in my opinion, but. Yeah. When you say you approached it differently, like just from a mental outlook or actually something physically that you tried to do to change up your game plan. It was a mental outlook. I'm used to holding two or three maybe, and I don't like holding too much against faster cars, and Nick was running six O's that night. I was like 20s to teens all night on the tree, and I I knew it was going to work out for me, but I knew there's always that round where that's not going to work out for you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this will be the round. The car was decent all night. It was knocking the tires off a little bit sometimes when I left, but I knew that if I dialed down, I could probably trust it. So I went ahead and dialed down about – I think I dialed down two, 200. So I knew I wasn't holding anything, but I thought I might be able to go a couple of thou under. Mm-hmm. I saw Nick go one thou under the round before down to three when his guy went red. Well, come to find out, he told me he was only going half throttle some points down the track. <laughs> <laughs> so I, that wasn't true, which I guess I should have known Nick. He's not going to show me his hand. So, uh, but I ended up dialing down two and I hit the tree. And when I hit the tree, I was like, I don't think I'm going to be in this race. Like I didn't. I think just everything that was running through my mind, and then I, I was nervous, so the nerves of it too, I kind of wasn't thinking how I always should be probably in the car. But uh, going down track, I was looking back, and I, I liked where he was. I knew he probably had some to kill. I went down there, and I tried getting behind because I thought I kind of missed it. I thought I was probably 20 or high 20. Mm-hmm. I tried getting behind, and I set it down pretty gently because I knew I didn't need to kill much, if any. Luckily, he said he was ripping behind me. I was I was double three, so oh, wow. I was way off on the guess. Sadly, <laughs> makes me look kind of bad, but no, I was double three, and I, I got there fourth out to be I think two above, and he was twenty and dead on or something. It was something like that. I know, but Caleb, that's a very humble explanation because the time slip said you're three take four, and to hear you tell the story, I would have thought that you made the worst run of the day. So yeah. <laughs> I, t- I was texting a lot of people after that because that was one of the coolest parts was getting a lot of texts of people con- congratulating me. And uh, I was like, I'll be honest with you guys. When I was texting them, I said, I'd try getting behind. And they're all like, it doesn't matter. You won. They said, they said that run. They said when he announced that the run sounded killer. I was like, I know, but I, 
I've tried screwing it up and I did everything I could to screw it up. <laughs> no, that's awesome. That's um, most, I think you know that most racers probably would not admit all of that. And very few of us would at 17 years old. So it's refreshing right. to, to hear your humility come through after such success. So very cool. Going forward, and, and obviously that's the the event win to date that we put up on a pedestal, but you've had a ton of success for, what, nearly 10 years now. What do you see over the next decade? Like, what are your goals in racing? Where do you see this going? Um, where, where do you hope it takes you? I do love the local racing. Like, a lo- this year at Killcare, I had tons of fun every week just going out there because they race, they race almost every week, Friday and Saturday. So, uh... I had a ton of fun just going out there, hanging out with friends. Like it was right up the road and it was, I mean, it, it's good payout. So you don't got to worry about that. They do basically but the same program on Fridays and Saturdays or Friday. It's, it's either switches every week. It's top ball one Friday. Then it's no box the other Friday. Oh, okay. And it's a thousand dollars, but there's only one class so they can get it done. Gotcha. And then and Saturday classes on Saturdays. And then Saturday is, you know, you got box and no box and bikes and uh, juniors. So hmm, that's a cool setup. I've never heard of a track doing that. I like that. Yeah, it is really nice. But I try to go to a decent amount of big races. Like I went to the foot brake race and uh, I didn't make it to Beard's foot brake race in Piedmont this past year. But we went to his race at Killcare, mm-hmm. the Labor Day race, because it was right up the road, of course. And it's, I do like the big races for the fact of, just what happened at Kentucky like it felt so good to beat a lot of hitters and then get the check and I, I don't know if it's if my mindset's different me being a young kid I think a big check is just really cool like it looks pretty cool you know so that was really cool I'd I'd love to go to as many big races as I can this year and obviously be competitive if I don't win one I don't win one but just be competitive and learn from each and every week that I go and might get you know, worn out, but it happens. <laughs> now that's a good outlook to have as well. I mean, what do you see in your immediate future? Are you planning on going to continue education or going to work? Or My brother is a city worker for Beaver Creek where we live. Mm-hmm. And um, currently I just applied for it for this summer to like help them out for summer help. Mm-hmm. Then I got to go back to school for my senior year. But I would love to pursue what he did and become like a city worker out of high school because it seems like he's enjoying it and they pay for your education when you go to college. Oh, wow. Right. So I could decide to go to college for something, you know, and get a little bit more of an education and maybe get higher up there. So I'd like to do that. It seems like he's out of high school. It seems like it'd be a, a good job, you know, get you settled in. Mm-hmm, no doubt. And from a racing standpoint, obviously, they're able to work with him to give him enough flexibility to go where he wants to go for the most part. Yeah, he said a, uh, he's been very fortunate. You know, he doesn't work weekends, and uh, they've been amazing about, you know, when he tells them, like, I got to go out of town for a race, they, you know, just let him go. So, great. Yeah, that sounds like a, that sounds like a great setup all the way around. I guess just, you know, obviously the reason that we're got you on the podcast is by winning sort of the, the popularity contest to some extent. Obviously, you're very deserving as the next big thing. Uh, we had a lot of, of very deserving candidates, but I don't know if you can really put that into, into perspective. I think I would struggle in your shoes, but what does it mean to you to, to kind of be labeled as the, the next big thing in sportsman drag racing? Yeah, it's, 
that was pretty cool to get the uh, the message from Jared saying, you know, can you give me a call this morning? Because I was just I was hoping that that it meant I won. I was like, yeah, there might be there might be a time. <laughs> we didn't that, call all the other nine. Okay, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, no. I was like, I was like, well, there might be a tie. I was like, I don't know. I was like, but. I'll find out when I, you know, when I call him. So I was in school and I was like, well, Jared, I'm in government class. So you're going to have to wait maybe like half hour or so. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, but, uh, it was, it's awesome. Everybody on that list, you know, is they've done a lot of, you know, I think a lot of people have seen on social media, but they've done a lot of, uh, winning. Um, my brother, um, I know Brett Williamson gauge is he's killed it in Florida. Mm-hmm. They're all deserving. I mean, I'm just fortunate enough to, be picked over all of them but it means a lot just because it's nice to win a race and win money but ever since i was like a teenager seeing what my brother did in a big car when he first started when edmund first started in a big car he was super successful and i kind of felt like i had a lot to a lot to prove when i was got in a big car and everybody at kill care um in our no box class is tough but i know some of our closest friends, like Jason Ford, everybody's heard of him. Mm-hmm. After since he won and runner up Kentucky, the ten grander there, and then Doug Kaplinger, he's been super successful over his, you know, career. And I've always wanted to kind of have them, and a lot of other people would know I can do it, and they don't they don't take me lightly. Like they know I have potential. So ever since I started in a big car, it's been my goal. My goal is to just show them that I can do it. You know, I don't. It's, it's nice to win money, like I said, but I just like to have the consistent success and win races and go deep in rounds. So I think a lot of that on my resume kind of helped me win this, uh, the next big thing. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, and it's obviously taken you a very short time to, uh, to prove yourself. It's very impressive. I guess in listening to you, do you, obviously you've overcome it if it's ever been an, an, an issue, but do you feel like you put, do you feel like there's more pressure on you or you put more pressure on yourself just because of the success of your father and your brother? Yeah, I see what you mean. I think at times I do. Like at times I, I compare myself to Edmund. and I'm like, well, he's done this. I haven't done this quite yet. <laughs> it's like, but you don't, I don't know. I try not to let it get to me. I think by the time Edmund and I are both done racing, which will hopefully be forever from now, that we're both going to have a lot of great accomplishments. Just like he's going to, have more than me maybe or i'm gonna have more than him but they're both gonna be we're both gonna have so many that it it doesn't matter i think we're both gonna be super accomplished by the time we're done but they both help me so much that i think they help sometimes relieve the pressure so yeah without question i'm sure that there's more good than harm than comes with the relationship i just i never uh, obviously never had to deal with that myself as an only child so i can imagine that uh, the pressure self-induced is is can be tough at times, so especially with the success that they've had. All right, Caleb, we'll try to wrap this up. I don't know if you've ever uh, listened to much of the podcast, but we try to uh, wrap up each interview with uh, kind of a quick rapid-fire segment. And obviously, without Jared here to help us out today, I've, I've gathered up the questions myself. So some of these will be racing-related, some of them won't. For the most part, we're just looking for um, for short answers. I guess before we get to that, this is really – this is your stage more than anything else. Is there anything else that you wanted to, to say and, and to tell the listeners of the Sportsman Racing Podcast before we, we let you go today? I would just like to thank everybody that's helped me, obviously. I, I kind of did it when, I, when you introduced me, but Will and Angie, they own the Camaro that I drive, and mm-hmm. they've they've been tremendous. They don't The car owner, Willie, he hates, he hates coming to the track because 
his wife swears that he jinxed me, that whenever he comes, <laughs> he jinxed me. And uh, it really sucked the day that I won the, the big race in Kentucky. They were there. They were there, and then they left like fifth round, and he, they didn't even say bye. They, they felt like by them saying bye, they were going to mess up what I had going. So <laughs> so they, they kind of left, and I won the race, and I text, or he texted me right away. He's like, that's so awesome. Like, good job. You're amazing. I'm like, oh, he's not even here. That really sucks. But <laughs> they're, yeah, they're outstanding people. They're so awesome. To, if we didn't, I mean, if I didn't have them or we didn't have them as friends, I wouldn't be where I am right now. I can guarantee you that. And just our sponsors, you know, Krugato Sales, they've been with us since I was a kid. They were with my dad when he was racing mm-hmm. before me, and they've kind of transferred over to Edmund and I to help us and reliable tax and bookkeeping. They just came on board about three years ago, maybe two years ago, and they've been great so far too. And Wheatcraft Concrete, he's been a friend of ours forever, and he helps here and there, and he, he really helps a lot here and there when he does. So without all of them, I wouldn't be where I was. And uh, it's pretty awesome to have people like that just – knowing that they're they're there for you and they would do anything for you. No, that's incredible, man. You um obviously deserving of this uh you know, honor so to speak by on track accomplishments, but this really being the first time that I got to sit down and talk with you, you are an extremely well spoken seventeen year old young man. I'm uh, I'm thoroughly impressed as I as I hope the majority of our listeners are too. We'll have a little bit of fun before we get out of here. Rapid fire segment. We'll start off easy for you. Favorite uh, subject in school? I don't know if this is a subject, but I'm going to say gym. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't uh, excel at many other ones. <laughs> Worst habit? Always thinking I'm right, if we can say that. I don't like to listen to many other people. So when it comes to racing, if, if you ever want to talk to Jason Ford about a habit that I have is it's not listening to other people, and it annoys a lot of people sometimes. <laughs> Fair I enough. do my own thing. <laughs> when I came up with this question, I thought that I knew the answer, but after hearing some of your early explanation, I'm not so sure, and I know this is putting you on the spot, but who's the better racer right now today, you or Edwin? <laughs> See, now, now I don't want to sound like a, like a cocky race teenage racer, but I don't know. I'm just going to say me because I'm not myself. But yeah, you got Edmund's extremely talented. <laughs> Edmund, yeah. See, that's always a type that has a lot of confidence, but I don't want to come across cocky. But Edmund's extremely talented, too. It's it's a toss-up. The, the races we've had when we've been in a big car, well, one's been all right. The other one's been pretty good. So, And I've been lucky enough to come out on the, the winning side. I think, it, I think it's about momentum a lot. Both nights that I beat him, I, I had momentum going. So Right, right. I agree. If you could be a spectator at any sporting venue anywhere, what would be at the top of your list? I'd like to go to a lot of baseball games. I don't go to a lot, but I would like to go to a lot MLB games. I think it'd be a lot of a lot of fun. Uh huh. Any specific stadium or location? Uh, not really. I would really like to go travel and see a lot of them. Honestly, mm-hmm. I think it'd be cool to, or any, really any sporting venue. I think a lot of I think NFL stadiums, NBA stadiums, uh, MLB. I think they're all really cool. I agree. All right. In the race of your dreams, like the biggest event win that you could ever imagine, as you kind of live that out, you know, in fantasy, I guess, who's in the other lane in the final? Why not my brother? That'd be pretty sweet. Yeah, I kind of figured you'd go there. I've always wanted that. (laughs) The best we've done was we raced each other at five cars this past year, but it'd be awesome to race him in a big final. I mean, even a local event, but if I could have raced him in that 12 grand final, I would have wouldn't have cared who won right very cool 
Well, Caleb, man, thank you again for joining us. Congratulations on winning the vote as the next big thing in sportsman drag racing. And like I say, I don't think we could have picked a more deserving candidate, both on and off the track, man. It's an honor to have you on the show. Appreciate that, Luke. Thank you guys so much. And thanks for everybody that voted for me. It means a lot, honestly. Very good. Thanks, Caleb. Take care, buddy. You too. See ya. So by now you've heard us talk about Portatree here on the podcast, and for good reason. Portatree products are designed and manufactured by racers for racers right here in the good old USA. I use Portatree products. Luke uses Portatree products. If you're in need of quality practice equipment, you should use Portatree products as well. From their handheld pocket pal to the new Eliminator Next Gen to full-size units, Portatree can meet your individual needs. To learn more, visit portatree.com. That's going to wrap it up here on episode 16. I want to say thank you again to our sponsors. These are the folks that bring our podcast to you every week. This week's sponsors, Portatree, This Is Bracket Racing, and Racing RVs. In addition, huge thank you to our guest, Caleb Ellison. Hope you guys enjoyed getting to know Caleb a little bit better. Uh, he is, again, the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast next big thing. Uh, also, thanks to PJ North for providing the tunes, doing our intro. You can find PJ's work on iTunes. Um, as you know, we plan to release a new podcast every week of the calendar year, so stay tuned for plenty more going forward. Yeah, and folks, to get the latest episode before your friends, be sure to subscribe to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast wherever it is that you find your favorite podcast. We're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, and we're on Google Play. If you like what you hear, be sure to rate and review the podcast. That's how we move up in the rankings, obviously, so more people can find us. If you don't like what you hear, let us know how we can deliver a better show. And finally, be sure to join the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast fan page on Facebook to interact and become part of the conversation this week. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect. Led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is, at each event, there are 100 plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. 
If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elitist for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.